I think this is the most underrated thing in the world for creators, especially, and anyone trying to make anything. Usually the best creators own one word or one specific phrase. Like Ryan Holiday owns stoicism. Jocko Willink, I think, owns discipline. What happens is you repeat this word every single day and then people just start seeing it everywhere. Because you know what it is? When you give something a name, it gives someone like a, a lighthouse, right? Until then, it's just like air. But when you give someone a name, it becomes something they can go towards, something they can visualize, something they could stand by. And so there's that piece. There's like giving an actual name to your mission, your lifestyle style, who you are, whatever it is. I have been looking forward to this one. The most interesting man on the internet, Zach Pograb. Um, and I have a confession to make. I actually was going to cancel last minute this podcast recording uh, because I woke up, had a headache, really wasn't feeling well. But you talk about obsession and I've been seeing all your videos about running and just going hard and sleeping on the floor and I looked in the mirror and I slapped myself in the face and I was like what would Zach do and of course I, I, I you know I'm looking forward to this I'm not gonna cancel it right like I'm obsessed I want to make this podcast amazing I'm not gonna cancel it so what did I do I had a couple double espressos popped a couple Advils worked out steam sauna cold plunge and then I just sat outside a little bit, had a little breakfast for like 30 minutes just to com and completely changed my morning and day. And I, I've been feeling, feeling dope since. So you inspired me. Let's go. That, that is the obsessed lifestyle. It is unoptimization. It is yeah. almost embrace, embracing when you don't feel perfect, embracing when you don't have all the stacks, all the cards uh, stacked with you and using that as like motivation. It's huge. So good job, Greg. You're officially obsessed. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> so on this podcast, we talk about different business ideas um, and and different niches and trends. You prepared a few, which I think are, are fascinating. Um, and I want to start with suffering as a service. What do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because it's almost like SaaS, right? It's like the same type of acronym. I just think normal life has gotten so soft and easy, you know, Uber eats to your apartment, go puff for deliveries. Um, and that's why you see all these people doing, you know, tough modders, Spartan races, ultra marathons, people are craving that type of discomfort. It actually makes them feel alive. Um, even like these dark retreats, like in the last year, I don't know about you, but like five people I know are like, oh yeah, I just sat in darkness for a week to like find myself. And like, you can position that however you want. That is suffering like in some way. And it's like, I think you can get really creative with that. And I think it's a massive opportunity. Like you, you have to imagine just normal life's just going to get easier and easier, right? We're going to have to do less and less. So people will need more things like that. And so like, honestly, it's a big part of what I'm doing. Like this run cult, I just started this run club. It's kind of like shared suffering. And I think that's why people like it. Can you talk about that? Like for, for people who don't know, like what is, what is the run cult and why do you think it's start, it's taking off? Sure. So yeah, if you if you've been on like Instagram in the last year, you've probably seen run clubs taking off kind of all around the country. They're kind of like the new, uh, they're like just this new trend that's happening in all these cities because people are getting into running. And I've been doing more and more running myself, getting really into it over the last year. Have this audience, you know, biggest on Instagram, and you know, me and Hunter Weiss in the office were kind of talking like, you know, what type of community do we want? There's so many of these, and Honestly, last the week I launched it, which was like three or four weeks ago, it was one of those things I 
didn't even decide it till the morning of. I'm just like, I need to do this. I came up with the perfect name the night before. Perfect branding, run cult. Every run club is called club. Cult is like one letter off and a total different like meaning. So it's just like, it goes from being, oh, hey, want to join this rub club, run club to, hey, want to join this run cult? I just love it. And yeah, what it is, is me and like 50 people every Monday morning meet. We run through the streets of Manhattan in the morning at 7 a.m. We do sprints at the end and it's great. It was also the first time really testing like my audience with an in-person event. Um, and it went really well. It's pretty cool. Like for me, it's it's not really about me. And I kind of struggle with that. We could talk about that too, because I know you're a big community guy. But it was cool to like give people a chance to enter the world of obsession that I write about, because that, that's kind of what it is. And it is suffering as a service in a lot of ways, right? 100%. 100%. We do sprints. No run club does sprints. I literally make these people sprint for the first time in the, probably a decade and they love it. it makes them feel alive and that's why they keep coming back um yeah i've seen people talk about your run cult as sort of like a fight club 2.0 yeah i mean before i launched it i watched fight club every single night like 20 times in a row i'm, I'm not joking just because i wanted like the principles and the ethos to be like in my brain um it's the same model. It's like Project Madman in, in Fight Club. If you've seen the movie, it's like start this thing where people, you know, they have never seen this side of themselves. And now people like around the country are starting run cults, kind of like what happened with Fight Club. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's cool. And what's the business of of the cult? Like, how do you do, do you plan so, on monetizing it? Yeah, so I plan on monetizing what I'm doing in the running space as a whole is like very partially money driven. Like I want to build real companies in the space and that is a hundred percent a part of my vision, but I'm not thinking about that yet. Really. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunities. Like I think getting, like I said, like 50 people totally aligned on a mission, wearing all black in Manhattan is special. There's a lot of different ways to monetize that, but overall it's more just like, it's a huge piece of the world, right? The world I'm trying to build. And, um, I don't know. I think there'll be really cool opportunities this year with it in terms of collaborations. Obviously, you could do products and merch, but I think, and we could talk about this more, I think the running space as a whole is massively wide open. And so that's where I think I'll make a lot of moves over the next year or two. So if you, if you wanted to monetize it, what sort of ideas would you have for it? Yeah, one idea would be races. I think that'd be fun. So there's, there's one kind of organization doing this, but they just kind of suck at social media. And so do like these, uh, put on races and charge, you know, a certain amount of money. That would be okay. I don't know if you'd make a ton of money, ton of money from that. Probably make more money doing just like really great quality merch with it. Could do that. Could host events. I don't know. Like I haven't really thought about it that much. So Rafa, do you know Rafa? The cycling, no. the cycling apparel company. It's a bit high end. And basically the idea is um, you buy their merch, but they also have a yearly community and you can pay like, I don't know what it is. I think it's like $50 a year or something. And you pay for that and you get access to their like London, New York, SF uh, cycling events and meetups. So it's like there's these communities, you join them and you, you know, you get to race. And obviously you're going to, you're not going to show up to a Rafa IRL meetup wearing a Nike shirt. You're going to wear Rafa. So I think the combination of like, I could see you just especially because of the black, by the way, I'm wearing black for you. I was wearing gray before and I was like, something's off here. I need to just throw it. It changed real quick. That's why I was late. Um, 
And so I think that's a good, I, you know, the fact that I put on black right now, like if I had an obsessed sweater, I would, you know, I'd be wearing it right now. Yeah. I, uh, I cut, you cut off for a second. So you said it, that, that brand, it's like a clothing brand at its core, but they host, uh, there's a type of membership where you get access yes. to these races. Yes. Yeah. I think the, re- so my better answer is like, I've, I've kind of thinking of as the run cold as this, here's how I'm thinking about the running space right now for me in terms of monetizing it's run cold is one piece, right? There's a massive opportunity, I think in apparel, right? Like I d- I'm starting to do these races now and I can't find anything I like, can't find any brands I like to wear just because of like the ethos of the branding and the styles. Um, so there's that piece. And then the third piece is like coaching. I think one of my like most viral tweets in the last year was every guy I know who's lifted for the last five years is getting into running now. And it is true. Every single one of them. So like, there's like the run cult, the apparel, and then some type of coaching branded around this t- coaching programs app, whatever, um, branded around this type of athlete. And that's really how I'm thinking about it is. So you've heard the term hybrid athlete, right? Yeah. Like the Nick bear model kind yeah. of, right? Yeah, he like people, made that. Explain that for people because not everyone knows yeah. that. Yeah, so Nick Bear, you know, was a savage. Um, you know, he was uh, he was in the army or, or Marines, and he did Ironmans, he did bodybuilding shows, he's run freak marathons, and he he would consider himself the hybrid athlete, where you know he competes in strength competitions and and endurance competitions like running and marathons, uh, and that's become a huge thing on social media now. People they do both, they run and they lift. I'm actually not interested in that at all. Like I have barely lifted in the last three months i am lifting a little bit but i'm a i'm a runner i'm a runner that's all i care about but i'm 200 pounds still i'm a big boy still relatively in the running space especially with like the times i'm doing and so i think there's a massive opportunity for me to build this new category of runner where it's like 180 to 200 pounds a lot of them lifted for most of their like young adulthood but now they're getting into running and they need something to compete in right because i think like what spartan does and what like have you heard of high rocks High Rocks is huge, man. High Rocks is like the the new CrossFit for hybrid athletes. Basically, it's like it's been around a while, but it's really blowing up. Like every every like fitness influencer in Austin that I know is competing in this thing called High Rocks. Anyway, I think there's this new opportunity to build this category for these ex lifters becoming runners to compete in. Doesn't really exist because these guys will never be Olympic marathoners. They'll really never get to like a two thirty marathon, which is really 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 fast. But they could still do something insane at their weight. You know what I mean? Like, I, I genuinely think if I keep going in two years, I'm going to be the fastest marathoner probably in the world between like 180 to 200 pounds. Maybe it's like a big goal, but like I'll be up there and it would be sick if I could start this new category. And like you said, races, things like that, where it's designed for these types of people. Um, I think that's a massive, I think if you could create something that people dedicate their life towards, that is unlimited monetization opportunities. And, and it's just sick. Totally. And I think you're thinking about it the right way, which is you're not forcing monetization. Like you, I, that's a mistake a lot of people make is they, they'll build a community, they, they'll build a movement and they'll start with monetization right away. And it's just like, you're building something special and, and it, it doesn't know it's a toddler, you know, it's not an adult. It doesn't know what it wants to be yet. And I think, uh, I like that. I like that a lot. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you you struck a chord like with this pain as a service um this idea around um a new category of runner like the why now like it's very important to ask yourself like why now like why does this why should this movement exist and i think there's a lot of reasons why and 
I think if I were you, I would be like, okay, how do I introduce as much pain as possible uh, over, like the next, over the next 12 months? S- prove out New York City. And the truth is like New York City, pretty sure New York City has like more, like a bigger GDP than Canada. Mm, I believe you know? it. So, you know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere, right? So there's so much opportunity, I think, uh, 10 plus million people um, that I would just focus on pain and New York City. Uh, as like much double as down on the thing, double down on the double the down niche, on the pain. like the thing, the thing, the thing that people like it for. Yeah, that's the yeah. thing. We kind of debate like the cult branding because it's so like divisive. Like we don't get that many girls that are run cult, right? And some of the guys like, like girls, I guess. <laughs> and it's right. like, but I'm like, no, like that's the whole magic of it. It's like, it is a cult. It is hard. Um, it wouldn't work if you change the name. So I like that. I, I will. More pain. More pain more to pain, the world. <laughs> more pain. More pain. More gain. No, I think. Exactly. Uh, I think there's there's so many sister brother painful ideas that you could apply. Um, I was watching this any? thing. There's a wild yeah. thing. It's called. This is especially true in like the ultra marathon game. I was watching this thing. If you want to Google it, it's a sick documentary called The Barkley Marathons. And I don't know how much you'll see on Google, but it's a great documentary. It's just this random dude in the middle of Tennessee puts on this 100-mile race, right? And to get through it, you have you there's no mount, there's no route. You make your own route and you have to collect like book pages from trees. So you have to collect pages from books taped to trees to prove you've been on it. It's wild. So I think there's so much I could do with like like imagine like a dark place ultra marathon series. Like I think that is gonna stuff like that could be so cool. I found uh, I googled in the first thing that came up was a New York Times article that said life isn't fair. He didn't want this race to be either. <laughs> I, it reminded I me of that. that. Uh, it reminded me of the thing from. Uh, did you ever see like that haunted house, McKinsey Manor? I think it's called. No. Or it's just this dude in like New Jersey who like people sign up to get tortured by him. And it's just a dude in like a house. Anyway, that's a, that's another weird YouTube rabbit hole. Well, I think the trend that you're talking about, which is, which is basically that people need to feel something um, is, is a really important thing to note. You know, I'm in a group chat and someone in the group chat this morning wrote, I just bought some, Bitcoin and Ethereum. And then someone else wrote, why? And then he writes, just to feel something. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I feel like that's why people got so addicted to crypto. It's like the, yeah. that a few years ago, it was just so emotional. Yeah. yeah. So I think like, if you can start, like if you can reverse engineer feelings, like that's a, a good prompt for how to create, a, you know, and you talk about this a lot, a movement versus you know, a business. Yeah, I like that. Let's move to agencies on the back of creators. What's interesting about that to you? Well, I have one now. It's pretty cool. It's called vids. It's mostly right now for the animations that I've done on my page, kind of how I blew up my content last year. I think I gained like 2 million followers in six months from making those animations, just like crazy numbers. Uh, and when it works well, that model is sick for someone like me, where, you know, you have talented operators um, on the back end helping build it, right? Like I've never built real, real businesses yet, built like small businesses. So it's like, trust them. And um, 
I think creators on, it depends, right? I think creators either massively underestimate or massively overestimate the demand they have, right? And like, I think I'm, I was in like the underestimating camp, like underestimating how much I made, how many leads I drove from promoting something. So it's like finding those creators who are underestimating it versus the overestimating, right? Because um, I think more and more creators would sign up for something like this. To be fair, maybe there's not that many, but that have a big enough audience, but I think there's still enough. And I think if you can package a creator's journey and obsession into an, a service, it can be pretty cool. So I still think it's a good opportunity. How much, how much does it cost to work with you? Like what is the product offering? And, and do you, are you running the agency is my other question. Am I personally? Yeah. No, no. There's an operator. His name is Jordan running the whole thing. Um, I'm involved still cause it's still pretty new. Uh, we have a few different tiers. It's like, I think the lowest is like 3,500 up to like 7,500 and then a little more if it, if the package gets crazy. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just like set video deliverables. Basically you get me involved as a creative director, basically where I'm like looking over all the design. Cause that's what I'm obsessed with. And you also get like my system for script writing. Cause in my opinion, especially on short form, the also I'm not trying to sell my agency right now. It's just like, this okay. is you're explaining it. Like, you're explaining it. Yeah. I'm really not. Um, there's a million of these agencies. Go work for, go choose one that you like. Um, the scripts on these videos are everything. I genuinely yeah. think it's like 90% script writing for short form and really for content in general, right? But it's, uh, yeah, that's what it is. So it's not complicated. It's just, uh, you know, trying to do, there's a bunch of these agencies just trying to do a good job at it. I think zero to a million dollars revenue, like it's a good cash flowing business, maybe $2 million. I think where these businesses get way more interesting is when they turn into some sort of software product. So I'll give you an example. Not many people know this, but Hootsuite, which is a social media scheduling platform, has raised hundreds of millions of dollars, multi-billion dollar valuation, actually came out of an agency called Invoke. So Invoke was a social media agency in the mid-2000s when Twitter was just first coming out. And they realized that their clients needed tweet schedulers. So because they're working with social media uh, clients, they're just like, okay, let's just go build it for ourselves so we can use it with clients. And then once they got like 20 clients using it, all of a sudden they spun it out. And then it became a separate business. They raised hundreds of millions of dollars and sort of the rest is history. So I think with you and what you're doing, I think like at the face of it, creator agencies, like, I don't know, somewhat interesting, but what's more interesting is the insights that the creator has and the insights that the agency has so that you can productize that. Maybe it's software, maybe it's not software. It doesn't necessarily need to be software, but some productization and people throw around the word productized services. I'm not talking about a productized service. I'm talking about a productized scalable business. So I think that's where you can take your business. Yeah, I think you're right. And I also think, yeah, you're right. Like as a whole, the agency thing is probably overrated for most people. Um, it's just cool for me, which is why I'm talking about it. I mean, your friend, I mean, it's cause you, you have friends who, who are in that space too, right? Hunter has an agency. That's Henry, it. Correct. Yeah. And Dylan. we basically all do now. Yeah. We yeah. all do basically. It's great. <laughs> um, yeah, you're right. It's probably as a whole super overrated for creators, but I think it's okay. I think it's underrated for like operators. I think it's a cool opportunity for like the operator to like right. start something cool. That's what I think it's more, the opportunity is better. Um, yeah, st start but I like what you're saying. And get I like what you're insight. saying about software though. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like what you're saying. That's definitely the vision. That should be the vision. If, if you, uh, 
if you were to create software for a video agency, like what would you create? Oh, I mean, I've wanted to create the software for since I started making these videos and I have some people who are trying, it's just not, doesn't exist yet. It's just like drop in a script and make an animated video. If you want to make mm -hmm. that, you know, message me. Um, there's like people who can do like a 10% version of it. Um, and it's probably pretty close with the AI stuff to be fair. That would be like, yeah. that would be the answer related to those videos. Yeah. I feel like that idea is a huge idea, which is basically, it feels like every four or six months, there's like a new format for short form video. Like, it, and you've been to your credit, like you've been always like, <laughs> feels like always inventing it or, or popularizing it in a only, lot of ways. Only like one or two, only like one oh. or two. Yeah. I only changed the internet. <laughs> the history of the internet once or twice, no big deal. <laughs> so I think that's what creators should be thinking about is like productizing that part of their brain. Um, it's just harder. It's just harder, harder to build something like that. Oh yeah. It's way harder, but you get, but, you're, but you get better results. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's harder and there's less instant gratification. Like yeah. you could send out a tweet being like, Hey, like you wouldn't do this, but you could send out a tweet, be like, go to my landing page and book, you know, book me i've got two spots open for my video agency um and you would people would get that in, you know sign up in a second and you'd make money in a second it's way harder to like build a, a suite of software hire like talented people invest a bunch of money and and charge 50 dollars a month uh that is way sicker though if you can do it i i agree yeah so something for for folks to to think about um this was an interesting idea that you have. Um, the mid-tier mid creators, passion fruit for bet, but better. What did you mean by that? Have you used that platform at all? Do you know about it? Yeah, I've used the platform. I don't mean to shit on them, but it, and it's actually great. And I've made money through the platform, but like, it's kind of, it felt kind of unusable. Like I, um, it's just like, uh, what's the right word? It's like uh, chunky. It's like hard to use quickly. Um, I feel like, so the mid tier creators, right? These people are getting a good amount of inbound for sponsors and collaborations, right? They're not getting, you know, hundred thousand dollar deals, but they're getting, you know, a few every week interested or a few every month they can make, you know, a living, let's say like a good living from sponsorships, but they have no idea what they're doing. This was basically me all last year. Right. And I had to figure it all on my own. Uh, I think there's an opportunity there. I feel like now I'm kind of going beyond not to be like cocky. I think I'm slowly getting like away from that category to where like now I'm talking with like bigger companies and bigger deals and I have people helping me, but this like mid tier, I don't know how exactly you define it with metrics. It depends on the platform, but I like passion fruit, but better passion fruit, but it works. Like, I think that's a massive opportunity helping creators like productize and um, not productize, but like uh, package with their offerings. Um, I think it's a big opportunity. I mean, a lot of people are trying to help me with it sort of, and uh, not necessarily the creators, but the operators to like go in and build those businesses. Yeah. And there's probably this, uh, here's, here's a product I would love, which is I would love to be a part of a group. Maybe it's less than 50 people, but a group of creators and operators like invite only and have having like a team moderate to like connect, let's say, you know, Zach with, you know, someone from, Hey, it's like, Hey, well, let's do a partnership with Shopify. And like, we did this thing for Mr. Beast. Let's so do it for you. You know, like where does that exist? Like, where does, you know yeah, what I mean? You're saying the operators, the operators for uh, the brands. You're yeah. Saying? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really exist. And that's like, 
this is what I'm saying. It should something like this should exist. I'm kind of talking with some people who are doing something like this. It's just like, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's a good opportunity, I think. Yeah. If you could do it though, you need you need to get connected with these people, and it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. It takes time, and the trust isn't necessarily there. That's why, like, I love the idea of having some person in the middle of it sort of like moderating it you know passion fruit is interesting in the sense that like it's self-serve anyone can go on there and you kind of you can book sponsorships like we use it for we have a newsletter called you probably need a robot.com and for ai productivity and people book ads and like it's awesome for us you know but we don't have people being like pitching us like oh hey you should you know do merch and you know what i mean like so i think having someone in between and connecting could be really interesting so i I do think that there's something on this idea dude i gotta ask you uh i listened to the founders podcast so i i heard you uh spoke to david senra and i want to know what he told you oh yeah that uh this great piece of advice he did a show in new york it was awesome and we hung out for a second before it yeah, he gave me this piece of advice that I've given to like a dozen people when they want to start something. It's like, let's say you're a creator or you're an entrepreneur and you want to build this thing, right? You have this list of like the five things that you should probably do. Like if you're a creator, that's like, you know, get your Beehive newsletter. It's like, get a course going, get, um, you know, get a carousel for Instagram, like all this stuff, right? That is so like this next, the typical next steps but usually the creators who have outlier success ignore all of those and they go do something else that's unique. So it's like the advice from him is like, take the five things that most people would do in this situation, ignore them completely, like actually write them down, ignore them completely, and then go do something else more unique and better. I think that's great advice to like stand out. And it's so simple and tactical. Yeah. And I'm not surprised he has such good advice because like he literally studies the world's best people. Exactly. He's yeah. great. Like, you know, you know, the advice he gave me actually, because we were talking about monetizing for me. Um, the other piece of advice he gave me, which was great when I was asking him, yeah, how should I make money from like my community, the obsession stuff? He's like, just build a cult. That's what he said. And he was right. And that's literally what I did with the running. So it's like, I didn't really understand what he meant at the time, but now I do. So, yeah. I feel like it's so baller just to be like, you ask a question expecting like a five, you know, a one hour podcast response. And he just says like a se- several wor- words. And but you know, like, he's the type of guy, he's a smart dude. He like, he, that was all I needed. I actually yeah. kept, that was actually the best answer. Um, yeah. He, I'm glad he didn't say anything else. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I need, I need to, I need to understand that. So one person that you actually surfaced to me is a guy named Sam Sulek. Um, and ever since I saw your tweet on him, it's just changed how I've seen the internet basically. Cause I see it everywhere. Yeah. I was pretty relatively talk? early to him. Like I think I shot him out in like summer and yeah. now it's like, you see him every day, constantly every day. What, uh, for folks who don't know about him, t- maybe explain a little bit and, and tell us why you think it's interesting and there's a trend around it. Yeah, sure. So he, he's like a 20 year old bodybuilder in Ohio, just ridiculously jacked, probably juiced up, uh, almost definitely juiced up um on steroids and over the last year he or in 2023 he went from like zero to i don't know what's he at two million subscribers on youtube posting a long form video of him working out every single day and basically the reason it's caught the internet's attention is one obviously the growth but two is the type of content which is polar opposite to one it's polar opposite in many ways which usually is how you get these outlier results 
One is it's the opposite of all fitness content, fitness content, bodybuilding content became all about Lamborghinis and influencers and cars. He just went the total opposite way. I'm recording on a shitty iPhone. That's cracked. I don't care about clothing. I don't care about anything. I don't care about money. I just want to lift. And then number two is compared to YouTube content, which is the Mr. Beast. This is the thumbnail, the optimization. It's just, nope, here's me um, on a broke, my iPhone's taped to a tr broken tripod. Um, I'm just talking to the camera, one take, no edits, totally un unedited and unoptimized. And because of that, it was exactly what people wanted. And, uh, you know, I put out a bunch of tweets about him because he's really inspiring what I'm doing now with the video and uh, what I'm trying to do. And it's like, yeah, it's incredible to me what he's doing. I think though, and I think it's he honestly is like part of this shift happening in content now towards that raw authentic style. But for most people doing that will be really, really hard. It's even, it's happening on Instagram too. Like you're putting out more handwritten notes on Instagram. And I think that's resonating with people more. Um, I've put out some handwritten notes. Uh, Are you talking about Twitter? like the posts with like the handwritten style? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Even, yeah, that's, you're right. That's kind of an example of it. It's more authentic than, um, you know, it's so for example, with those before that, I was just doing like tweets. It was, it would show yeah. my Twitter and it would show my text, which is what most people do. And it's insane how much better the handwriting performs. Dude, I, I literally, if people aren't watching this or they're listening to it, you need to watch the YouTube. Cause like, I just saw like the light bulb go off in your brain, which is like, oh my God, he's right. It, the handwritten thing is more amateur, you know, is the more amateur <laughs> type thing. There's actually two things there. It's, it's, it is more amateur and authentic. Also, I don't handwrite those. It's, it's actually just like uh, font. But anyway, it's that. And it's also removing your tweet for Instagram, this is like a tactical thing that might be useful. I think yeah. removing your Twitter thing is so useful because Instagram posts, especially text, they get shared. They grow from people sharing it on their stories. And most people don't want to share a quote with someone's little face and Twitter at. They want to share just text. So if you like think about that logically, it makes a lot of sense. However, it's hard because from a design perspective, they're more used to seeing Instagram. Okay, this is a whole other thing. But like the design of text posts on Instagram is super important. And it's how I've grown my stuff. And it's like, you have to make something that people can recognize instantly and you want the words to hit their brain instantly, right? So it's like for a tweet, they instantly know what that is and recognize it versus a handwriting post. If you choose the wrong font or the wrong style, you're fucked and they're not going to be able to read it. They're just going to scroll. So it's like, you have to make the handwriting style as easy to read as the tweet. Anyway, mm. side tangent. No, good tangent. A lot of people listening, including me, are trying to figure out how to grow their Instagram. I'll tell you a little, a little something. I'm curious your perspective. I decided this week to go rogue and I had an agency basically running my Instagram. They would clip up this pod. Occasionally I would like do a direct camera thing and they'd post, they'd post it on Instagram and on YouTube shorts. And I didn't love, <laughs> how do I say this respectfully? Um, it was meh, meh. No, it's just. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it obsessively in your Correct. words. That's right? the only way to grow on social media, I think. That's the only way yeah. to actually grow is to be completely obsessed with it. Uh, and the reason I grew to 600, uh, sorry, 360,000 followers on Twitter was because I was obsessed with the content. And I shared at the time, and still to this day, I try to share a unique point of view and take people behind the scenes. And... With Instagram specifically and YouTube shorts, I don't know 
and it's just being honest with yourself. I don't know at this point how to use that short form, um, like cut up long form to make it work on short form. Like I, to me, I just, I felt like that was a moment in time. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Like if you were me, do you think it's a mistake that I, you know, I'm not doing clips, short form clips. So you're not going to do any, or you're saying you're going to do a different, I'm just, I'm going to double down on long form. That's basically what I'm saying. I'm doubling down on, I think, I think that's smart. That's kind of what I'm trying to do now. Right. I'm trying to take my Instagram audience to YouTube. Um, I, I don't think that's wrong. I think it's hard to do what you were saying, which is like, take a long form piece of content, like a podcast and put it into a reel. It's hard. Like you're going to post a hundred clips and maybe one goes viral and the others just get ignored because people are tired of seeing podcast clips in their feed. Yeah. (laughs) Right. They are. So it's like, I think the better way to do it is just like figure out uh, content specific, right? Like Twitter, you were just making tweets and that's why they did good uh, threads. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm a big fan, like for Instagram, like the way I view my stuff, I want to have like the the pretty highly produced like edits of me like running or the animations. And then on the other side, almost 50, 50 have just me talking to the camera, no editing. Right. I think that's a good way to do it. But no, I, I think you have the right mentality. Long form is, I mean, look, I'm, I'm in a unique situation. I only made short form content, really written content for like four years and then started doing video. And then after like a month of doing video, my life has completely changed. So like, you know, I'm all in on the long form stuff. Yeah, I, I, I like long form too. I've also just noticed the people that listen or watch to watch long form are high quality people. Um, like one high quality, like connection with you too. It's like, yeah, that's completely what I mean. different, like, completely different. Like such a, it's so inter- like so many people reach out, watch YouTube or listen to the podcast. And I just, I want I, more of those yeah. people. Yeah. The way I've been explaining to people what I'm going through. And I think you understand this too. It's like your short form stuff builds trust, especially when you do it for years, right? You get a lot of trust by posting every day and showing up. But once you take that to a long form medium, you get the connection and the yeah. connection stacks on, on top of that trust. And it is absolutely insane, right? So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, awareness and affinity. That's what that's how I describe it. Short form is yeah. great for awareness and affinity is uh, is what you call it, like the connection and, and yeah, like I an think- analogy analogy yeah. I used the other week, sorry to interrupt you, is like no short worries. form is like short form is like passing someone on the street, maybe say hi for a second, but it's a short interaction. And long form is like sitting down with them for dinner. It's like, oh, you're really getting to know them now. Um, Dylan, Dylan even had a better analogy with that. He's like Dylan Jardin. He's like short form is, you know, on the street, you don't choose it. It just happens to you kind of like short form scrolling on a feed, but long form, you're choosing to meet someone you're clicking on a video. It's Mm. totally different. Yeah. Super intentional. And, um, so I think prediction more, more creators go long form. Is that, is that what you're thinking? Creators and especially writers, right? Like I think, um, like I think Danny Miranda put out this tweet, how all these writers are now doing video, including myself. Yeah, I, I think like the I wrote, wrote how the other, I think the online writer staple, like that's like kind of a meme now, kind of like a on Twitter. I think it's so overdone and overrated for almost everybody. And like, you can't make any money with it and you can't build a real brand and you can't build a real trust with your audience unless you're this super unicorn, which is like five people. And instead, I think, I mean, it depends what you want to do, but like- Well, explain that a this, bit. I'm curious, like, what do you mean by that? Why can't online writers do well on the internet, monetize well on the internet? I guess they can. I just think it's hard. I think it's hard. And I think, I don't think people are good enough writers. I don't think most people are interesting enough. Like I said, I think for the unicorns, you can. But like, look at even someone like Dan Coe, right? Dan Coe has monetized pretty well, 
But I think a large piece of that is from his videos. He's crushing it on YouTube, and that's why people connect with him, right? Mm. It's like he—I I wouldn't even call him an online writer. He's a, a kind of a—he's a writer and a YouTuber, right? He sells writing courses, but he's basically a YouTuber. It's like, so that's what I mean. It's like yeah. there is like the Tim Urbans of the world and the James Clears of the world, but outside of them, there's think about the ones who build real businesses off of just their writing. Sure, there are some newsletter guys like that I'm ignoring for sure. But like for yeah. the kids starting up, even me who has fucking like 2 million followers from writing, I don't really. I have followers that I, I have mo most of my followers came from taking my writing and putting it into videos, right? So even though that's why I have this thing I, I repeat over and over to people. It's like strict with the message, flexible with the medium. It's like, I just want to, I this is me though. I don't want to just be a writer. That's why I'm out here running marathons. Like I want to be, I want to do more, more than one thing. Um, I want to build brands. I want to do that stuff. And for me to do that, I think I have to build my world of obsession into every single medium. And so it's like, take the core that works, the writing and put it into these new packages. Uh, I don't know, for me, that's really exciting. And I think that that's how I'm going to do everything. Yeah. So like I said, it depends on your goals, but I just think for most people it's overrated. I guess my realization with all this is doing multiple formats at the same time is very, very difficult. So the you have reason, to learn one first, kind of. You have to yeah, like really exactly. get one first. Yeah, yeah, it's one at a time. Like my mistake was I did, I, I was like, oh, I'm an online writer. You know, I write on Twitter and I have a newsletter. I could easily do podcasts, short form, long form, you know, long form, like a bunch of other platforms, you know, TikTok, Instagram, shorts at the same time. And it took some awareness to basically be like, no, like that, that's actually a bad idea. Like go what like I, and I love that flexible with the format. Is that what you said? Flexible with the format. Well, yeah, that that's what I did last year to make it super tactical. Last year I didn't have those videos, right? The animated videos that got hundreds of millions of views, and I didn't have obsession as a brand. So at the same time, I basically was like, all right, I'm going to commit to this one message, but I'm going to be super flexible with the medium that I use to get the message in front of more people. And that is like a thing that I don't think anyone does. And and if you do, most people don't do either, but when you do both, what it got me is. A ton of new new fans and a ton of actual true fans who will you know put obsession in their bio and come to my run cult. It's like that's like one of my favorite ideas I've came up with. That like strict with the message, flexible with the medium. I think. And it's you good. you've talked to me about. I remember when we met in New York last year about the importance of having owning a word. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, I think this is the most underrated thing in the world for creators, especially and anyone trying to make anything. It's like the best people are constantly owning well what usually the best creators own one word or one specific phrase right like ryan holiday owns stoicism jocko willink i think owns discipline or or maybe leadership also he might own both of those um i think it's an extremely powerful way to build a brand because what happens is you repeat this word every single day and then people just start seeing it everywhere that's like a there's like a, a scientific phrase for that where and uh especially on like Twitter, it's an empowerful, it's a very powerful brainwashing platform. Like that's all I'm doing every day is like brainwashing people to believe in obsession. And I think it's working. You can do it tastefully though. Where like, I don't know, you still follow me, right? Like I'm not that annoying. Like it's like, you can do it without being annoying. Um, And I just think it's, cause you know what it is when you give something a name, it gives someone like a, a lighthouse, right? Until then it's just like air. But when you give someone a name, it becomes something they can go towards, something they can visualize, something they could stand by, something they could put in their bio, like like mine. Um, and so 
there's that piece. There's like giving an actual name to your mission, your lifestyle, who you are, whatever it is. And then there's also like, like, I think you should be trying to name everything you do, right? Like the names are like the nodes that let people share your ideas. Without that, how do your ideas get shared? It's basically impossible. You're pretty good at this. You're actually really good at it. You're always coming up with shit. Like, uh, what is it? Like multipreneur. Um, you're great at naming. And so it's like, you get it. But a lot of people don't get this. And the challenge is it's very, I think, very, very, very hard. And it takes a how, long time. Yeah. yeah how do you, how, how do you, uh, how do you come up with the name? A good one. You have to put out a ridiculous amount of stuff and wait until it's completely obvious. That's the only answer. I think you have to wait until it's obvious in that other people love it. You love it and no one else owns it. And then there's also the thin line of you want a name that is super, you know, unique that you can still own it, but rare enough that, um, sorry, unique enough that you can own it, but common enough that it's still in culture, right? Like obsession is all over culture. It's behind all these guys, like, you know, Kobe and, um, all these people. So it's like that balance. So it's those three things you love it. They love it. And no one else has it super hard. But when I felt it, it was obvious. I, I started like the obsession movement after a run. It just hit me like, oh my God, this is obvious. I need to tweet this. Like who is obsessed? Put a black flag. If you're obsessed, put a black flag in your bio and across Twitter and Instagram, like thousands of people did it. I didn't plan that. There was no planning. Yeah. I had like, I had follow obsession in my bio for like a year. So it was like, it was ruminating, but it was just boom, obvious and did it. And it was a good choice. Um, so yeah, that's what I'd say. It's like, start paying attention to the I just said it like those three things. So it's so important. And that's why I think you're going to, I, I believe my prediction, Zach, you're going to be a household name in 10 years because 10 years, that, that's a good timeline. That's 10 fair. years. Like you can beat. I want to do it. Uh, is that your goal too? Something like that? I don't know. I, I, I think that we're talking about you right now. You know, I think that, <laughs> I just we could race. I, let's race. Let's race until we're on Oprah. Okay, is that is I, that the bar? I <laughs> Maybe just Ellen. I I, th I think that when you when you pick a category of one and you name the category, which is what you're doing, and you consistently know how to leverage social platforms to create progress, and you show up every day, as long as you're healthy, I just don't see how you don't make obsession every obsessed person's like mission and and they're gonna want to play it i saw a really good tweet by um pascal da silva and he said we need more walt disney's less elon musk's mm, who is that who tweeted that pascal da silva friend who of is mine. that yeah uh, that's a good tweet it's a good tweet it like that's i think what I'm it only to got do. yeah i think it only got like a, a few likes check it out you know check it out yeah, because I mean, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. Like at the core of Disney, I've, everyone's seen the Disney map. If you're listening to this, yep. probably with all the yes. different connected parts of their business at the core was just like, what was it like animation films, right? And at the core of mine is world words about obsession. It's what I've done literally since day one, and will never stop doing. And as long as I do that, right, it will feed everything. Um, I love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like when you stick to this one word, it compounds in the most insane way, right? Because uh, people instantly understand you who you've never met. And so they can explain you really easily. And that creates all these opportunities that happen behind you that you never see. It's like, oh, this is Zach, he's obsession. He's just trying to build the world of obsession. Everyone gets it instantly. And uh, like, I've only been doing that for like really a year. So like, imagine five years, imagine 10. Uh, it's uh, it, co it compounds, cool. it compounds yeah. quick. You're right. 
the word of mouth on owning a word is is massive. It's especially massive when you live in New York City and you're connected with other people who are connected. Um, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, um, okay, I'll just put it out there. I, I mostly work remote, but I think that if I lived in New York City or I lived in San Francisco, you know, my movements would probably go quicker. And also, I, I, I should I should say that your friend group is an obsessed friend group from what I from what I've seen. Dylan, Henry, yeah, yeah like mm -hmm. all those guys, right? Yeah, we basically live in the office. It's, it's great. Yeah. I mean, you live the lifestyle. I think that if you're going to own a word, whatever word you're going to own, you need to live that lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, that's the most important part. Like I have, I have this like path of obsession I've written about a little bit. It's like the, the seven steps that these guys like Arnold Disney, they all go on and uh, I'm very much living it. I'm like, I'm like almost halfway on it and I have to, that's the only way it works. But the way this really works is this is actually important on owning a name. The reason it's actually so important is it lets you build something bigger than you, which is why people get followed in the first place. It's because they're doing something bigger than themselves. No one wants to hear people preach. No one wants to hear people who make it all about them. This, like I, I made this 20 tweet the other day. I was running and this girl stopped me on the street and she just screams at me, obsessed, and keeps walking. And I said, I wonder if that girl even knows who I am. I wonder if she even knows my name or if she just knows obsession. I bet you there's a good chance she doesn't even know my name. She just remembers following me and seeing like obsession this, obsession that. Think about that, right? Think about that. That is, cr I also, I don't get recognized that much. So like that was crazy. And it's a perfect example. It's like, it gives you this thing to build that's not you anymore. It doesn't even have to be a brand. Like I don't monetize obsession really yet. Not, not really. So it's like, that is a super important, but like subtle, but really important piece to it. Yeah, it's mindshare. You're owning you're owning the mindshare of obsession. It's worth a lot of money. Who else out there owns a word or owns a, a movement that you look up to? Just curious. Um, it's tough. Uh, like the ones I said before are big examples. Uh, Ryan Holiday. Jocko is kind of like my role model for how he built his businesses. Um, just a quick mention. Like he crushed the art and he crushed the business. Um one guy on Twitter is great. Uh, this guy, Colty Bra, you ever see him? No. Colton, he's great. He's like one of these Twitter guys, like OG, like money Twitter. I think I think he is. He might not like me calling him that. But he, I, to me, he kind of owns the, he, to me, he kind of owns the word like misfit. Kind of talks about like um, all these boxers, like eating like shit before their fights and still crushing it. Like, I love that. I, to me, he kind of owns the word misfit. Um, I don't know. There's, um, let me think who comes to my brain quickly. Okay. I think of cold tubs. I think of that guy on Instagram who does it every day and like smashes the thing with a dumbbell. I think of him. He's kind of owning cold tubs to me. Mm -hmm. I think of, uh, I think of wealth. I think of Sahil. I think he's trying to own that word. That might just mm -hmm. be from him like texting me that, but I think he's doing a good job there. Like, um, I don't know. That's Sahil Bloom for, for people. Who, yeah. He's He's, he's first name basis. Yeah. We're on the first yeah. name basis. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, we're, we're there's cool. two, there's two types of people. <laughs> in this world there's people who call mr beast mr beast and there's people who call mr beast jimmy which one are you listener <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's one <laughs> yeah um i want to end with this and i want you to be real with me what what's keeping you up at night what are you fearful of and try to be as honest as you can so okay what am i fearful of that's like the real question right yes because I'll give you a second to think about it. Like from the outside, and I love following you. From the outside, it looks like this guy has everything together. 
He's doing all the right things. He's building up these assets. He's building a category of one. He's in this cool friend group. You know, he's living in New York City. He's at the center of it. But what what's really keeping you up at night? What do you fear for? Um, it's definitely not th- that. Does it look like that? I guess it kind of looks like that. I've tried to be more open with how like reckless my life is, though. Like I I did like sleep in the office for like two weeks, um, because I had to. And uh, what's actually keeping keeping me up at night is YouTube because I'm not sleeping that much because of it. I'm getting better now though. That was like a rough two weeks. The fear for me is two things. I think it's one. I choose the wrong opportunities to build first, right? Cause like now it's basically like, all right, what do I build first? That's really like the question it's, I choose the wrong opportunities and it messes up like what I'm building. That scares me. Um, I don't know. Number two is I guess I burn out. Cause like I, I genuinely unlocked like a new part of myself, like about four weeks ago, five weeks ago for a lot of reasons. And, uh, one was like starting the daily videos, just like committing to something extreme like that was like exactly what I needed, like unlocked like a new part of me. So I think the fear is a fear of like burning out. It's like, I can't keep going. But I don't think that will happen. I feel like that's like, this is not obsession. You don't burn out. I don't know. This is just me being honest. I'm afraid of getting hurt. If I get hurt, I can't really do the running thing, which is going to be like, that's like a massive part of like everything I want to build over the next five, 10 years. That will be hard. It's really like the first thing I think is this, the biggest worry right now. I'm still trying to figure it out. Like I need to make more money to like build, make the stuff I want to make. It's like that simple. Like I want to hire a videographer right now. A videographer is not free. So like I have to go get that money somewhere. It's like, how do I go get that money? Um, it's like doing the right things. Cause I think I said yes to opportunities last year. Right. especially in terms of like brand sponsorships that really put me back in terms of like, I had this compounding thing going right with my content and it just like, just like stopped me. And, uh, so yeah, that's the fear. I think on, on the money piece, I, I once heard this concept called mailbox money that I like using, which is how do you have a project or a set of projects that every single, you know, every day, every week, every couple of weeks, you just have your bills paid for so that you can do the, the thing that you really want to be doing. It hits the mailbox every single day, or every single week. I love that. And, I didn't, yeah. I never had that really. I have that with the agency now. That's kind of like why I want to start it. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah. I think you're going to start to, I think you're starting to see a lot more people interested in cash flow, portfolio of cash flowing businesses. Um, AI is definitely going to, if it speeds up software creation, which it is, I think there's tons of opportunity to create mailbox money projects. And that's like case in point, who owns the term mailbox money, right? I never heard the term. It's, it's so great though. That should be a book. hundred percent. That should be a book on building those, uh, on, you should build it. Maybe it's like, you should make it. That should totally be a, that should be a book or a course. You should go take that. Did you come up with that? Someone once told me it. Uh, All right, actually, well, forget them. The, it's your turn. The person, <laughs> the person, the person that told me it, I'll give credit, is the actually co-founder of Hootsuite, Dario Melli. He okay. he was the one. He was like, I was telling him about a project I was involved in and how it was just like paying me monthly, and kind of like covering my bills. And he was like, "Oh, you talking about mailbox money?" I was like, "What are you talking about, <laughs> mailbox money?" I was like, "No, no, no. It's like, it's like this like." project and it, and he's like yeah, yeah it covers your bills you don't have to worry about it, you know your bills yeah it's amazing i never really had that in my life i always sold like my first business was like oh basically a service people only book once which is like kind of the worst type of service mailbox money is the goal mailbox money is sick <laughs> yeah and i think for a lot of folks their full-time job is their mailbox money true and the problem is it's difficult 
I don't know about you, but it was hard for me. Like I, I had a job, you know, when I've had jobs in my life, it was hard for me to like create projects on top of it. Um, like if I'm working, like I obsess like you and I, if I'm, if I'm working on something, I'm all in. So it's hard to like do a lot of side projects. Um, so I think that's the tough part about having a job. Yeah. I never had a job, but probably cause I'm obsessed. I would rather just have like no money and like not sleep than have a job. But yeah, I don't know. That's just me. Not saying I recommend it. <laughs> People who have jobs, mailbox money is possible, but difficult. Um, and I think 2024 year of mailbox money. Um, Zach, thank you for taking the time for coming on the show. Thank you. That was fun. We ripped some, some good ideas in there. Hopefully maybe. I yeah, so. <laughs> absolutely. I think, yeah, people let us know post in the, in the YouTube comments. If you, if you liked any of the ideas, um, or if you have any ideas for, uh, one words that you want to own and, uh, where could people get to know you a little bit more? Best place to get to know me is my YouTube, uh, just Zach Pograb. You could probably find it by searching that. And, uh, that's, you know, I'm doing a video every single day this year, trying to make them all long form. They mostly have been like over like 10 minutes. Um, but my biggest platform is Instagram. Pretty active on stories there lately. Um, Zach Pograb and Twitter. Twitter is like my favorite platform though for like, you know, the, the cult I'm trying to build and like, just like, like I said, brainwashing, like nonstop. If you follow my Twitter, it's very low chance you won't get obsessed. Um, so take that as a warning, but yeah. I think uh, everyone should go follow the, follow you there. Not just to be interested in in the great content you're putting up, but also like, to me, you're building like the blueprint for how so many brands are going to be created in the future and how so many, I think there's going to be like a Zach Pograb for X. It's worth studying. And uh, it is and, funny, like no creators, yeah. not to start interrupt you, like very yeah. few people are doing the name thing. And I just think it's so important. Totally. It, it, blows, me, it blows me away. You do it. You're like one of the only ones. Um, because I love names. I love names. It's the best, dude. Coming yeah. up with names is the best fucking game ever. And only people who do it understand it, but it is an infinite game. It never ends. And it is so hard. Yeah. 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 It's, it's definitely underrated. Uh, a good name is totally underrated. And I, I tweeted this recently, which is premium domains are actually underrated in my opinion. I think so too. Yeah. Um, we didn't need to buy multipreneurship.com, but we did. Cause it was just like, it's just sick. Like it's yeah. sick. It makes your brand look sick. It's like, yeah, yeah I don't know. I'm a fan. And the other thing about premium domains, uh, quick, quick tactical thing for folks is that you can lease them, a lot of them. So, you know, if you find a domain that you really like and you're like, I don't want to, I can't afford $50,000 for this domain. A lot of them, you can go and offer them, Hey, I can, I can pay you $2,000 a month or $1,500 a month. So I've heard of that. That's that's smart. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. I'll catch you. I'll catch you in New York. Let's go stay obsessed.